Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Another episode of Barnyard Language. It is summertime, so that means none of us know what day it is, what time it is, or even what month some of the time. So I'll ask as usual, Katie, what's going on in Iowa? What's happening on the farm? Arlene, this is already our second take at trying to record this update because the girl child waited literally until I hit the record button to come in and inquire about a fan for her bedroom, which was clearly something that needed to be addressed at this very moment. Yes, for sure. I believe today is Tuesday, maybe? And it sure. looks like it's getting dark out, so I'm going to say it's probably evening time. But you're correct, that's about all I know about times or days or anything else. So far this week, we've had a water line fixed because there was water from... By this morning, from our barn to the road and not flowing into the house as it is meant to be. And then when they did fix that water line, I'm hoping it was a coincidence, but our dishwater dishwasher started refusing to stop filling and poured a substantial amount of very hot water onto my kitchen floor and into the basement. And the dining oh, room. Oh, great. And the living room. Thank right. goodness for hardwood floors. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing you have probably have an old farmhouse like me. Some of that water is going then through the cracks in the hardwood floors down into the basement. Yeah. Yeah. It runs. Yeah. The floor is at enough of an angle that it runs right under the wall and right, yeah. into the basement, which is handy at least. And it's a dirt floor basement. So it's not like it's going to hurt anything once it gets Sure. Dry. Yeah. I said it's like you got a mopping pre-mopped wash situation was yeah. this clean water or dirty water it was clean it was just a lot of it because i ended up having right. to go into yeah. the basement and find a step ladder to climb up to turn the water off at the supply line because i of course assumed that it was that the water was not draining and indeed it was that the water was not shutting off even when the dishwasher was turned off there was still water oh, coming it kept, just kept coming in yeah, yeah. And there's, the water goes through the softener first, so the repairs to the water line should not have had any impact on how things were going with the dishwasher. It seems to just be a, a catastrophic. I already replaced our stove hood on Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon, I think it was Sunday afternoon, Jim had to go pull the skid loader out of the bottom of the pasture. My father-in-law never did offer a satisfactory explanation as to why the hell the skid loader was in the bottom of the pasture. But it turns out that the skid loader cannot be driven through creeks or along creeks or with as many tractors as we own. Nobody is quite clear on why he had the skid loader down there. But Right, yeah. So all the water-related incidents are happening this week. Also, my daughter this evening the kids are in vacation bible school for the first time which has been an educational experience for the whole family 
but today my daughter came home with a god's eye, which for any of you who participated in crafts as young people is two crossed popsicle sticks with yarn wrapped around them. And when I picked her up and saw that she had made a god's eye, which was a real nostalgic moment for me, she whipped it at me like a frisbee and yelled ninja throwing star, which explains a lot about right. how our family operates, maybe not, the, maybe not the intent of the craft, but I, yeah. that's a good way to use it, too. So that's about how things have been going. And yeah. you got to go away as a human who is an individual as well? I did. I went to suburban Dayton, Ohio, and visited one of my good friends. Hi, Jamie. And had a lovely visit. It was very chill. Only downside was that on the trip home, I ended up with a, I think, five-hour layover in Chicago that should have only been an hour because apparently the air conditioning on the plane stopped working. So it was working when the plane was in the air, but not when it was on the ground. And it was 90-some degrees in Chicago, which meant that it rapidly got too hot for them to board the airplane. So we had to sit there until it cooled off enough. That's a valid was... reason. Yeah. Planes are can be uncomfortable enough during the boarding process. But if they're they're also as hot as your car when you open, yeah. open it up in a, on a sunny summer day, that's not a great yeah. start. And like... even once they got it cooled off, it was probably still 90 some degrees in there. And it was one of those little commuter planes. So they wedged it full of people and got us into the air as fast as possible, which was deeply appreciated. But it was it was real warm and real, real sticky. Yeah, delightful. It was fantastic to spend the Fourth of July with small children, knowing that when they started screaming and there was crying and there was fireworks, that none of it was my responsibility, which was really quite nice. Someone, yeah, someone else's kid. Yeah. How have things been at your place, Arthur? Things are good. I would say almost. I hate to say it because after I've heard of all your water issues, I feel like I'm tempting fate here, but quiet and almost boring. I say that with, with bated breath, but yeah, some hay's been happening. It's been really hot. So we are lucky enough to have not air conditioning, but when we renovated the old farmhouse that we live in, we put in geothermal. So it has like a cooling ability in the summertime and it heats the house in the wintertime. The house stays pretty cool. So a lot of the time we're trying to stay inside. We installed a bunch of fans in the barn last year. So the cows are actually staying in more than normal. We typically do still let our milk cows out, if not every day, every other day at least. But when it's really hot, they actually prefer to be in under the fans rather than out in the blazing sun with a lot of them are black. They they don't enjoy that quite so much. So yeah, lots of fans while we're milking and staying cool. We've been spending a lot of time swimming. Tonight, like you said, it's Tuesday when we're recording. And in our little town, the, the bagpipe band practices on Tuesday nights. So we were down at the waterfront. The kids were swimming and we were listening to the bagpipes and the drums practice and watching them march around and get ready for the summer parades and things like that. So that's fun to get to listen to bagpipes and watch your kids swim at the same time. Not a not your typical beach music, but it's pretty, pretty cool. 
And in other news, I don't know. I think it's been a couple of weeks actually since we recorded. So we'll say that we have a graduate in the house. We have someone who has finished high school officially. She wore the cap and gown and did all those things. And we had a nice lunch afterwards with the grandparents and some aunts and uncles. And of course, my sister brought her inflatables. So we had a, a nice gathering of people who met her outside the high school as she exited from the ceremony in their inflatable costumes. So that was pretty fun, too. And all three of her brothers actually put inflatables on. I wasn't sure how they were going to feel about that. I left it to my sister to decide who was going to come and get dressed up, but they all did. So that was pretty fun, too, to see everybody waiting outside for her when she was done graduating high school. The pictures were pretty cute, too. Yes. Yeah, it was a fun day. Yeah, so I think that's the basics of what's been going on around here. Like I said, boring. There's been two cow shows so far and another few on the calendar. So I make it to some and not to others because I think, like I said before, my boys are not so much into cow shows, but my husband and daughter are. So they'll be going to some of those and the boys and I'll be doing other things on some of those days and some of the more quote unquote important ones I will go and watch. But I think the next couple I might opt out of. I don't mind a cow show, but I can also enjoy not watching cows in their best hairstyles walk around in very hot fairgrounds. I was going to say the, the temperature at many summer couch shows really does detract from the level yeah. of enjoyability that one might Yeah, and how much cover there might be, too. Some of them, if they're a fully outdoor situation, I'm less excited about spending my whole day in blazing sun watching cows, but... I will definitely make it to some of them. I will say we took the boy child to the National Normandy show when he was about 16 months old. It's fairly, it's a few hours from here. And it was at a fairgrounds. It's a nice little show. And none of us had really considered that what he knew about cows was to start screaming, come us, as soon as he saw cows coming into the ring. So it was... Thankfully, people thought it was cute, hopefully. Yeah. But it's we have some pretty sweet videos of him calling cows yeah, at, calling in them. the middle of a cow show. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they not coming or moving in the way that I want them to? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and also all, a bunch of our cows got out yesterday, so that was a whole thing. Oh, and great. Over the waterline or in a different zone? Around it. It's, they could have yeah. really... Made a delightful mess. It was leaking badly enough that I could literally watch water bubbling up out of the soil, which Perfect. when the line is six feet down, I shudder to think yeah. what the electric bill is going to look like next month. <laughs> it's, right. It's, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. means your ground has been pretty saturated. Yeah. And I have, look. What's that in the driveway? <laughs> the driveway looks real, real perky. That's Maybe a bit mushy color. too. Yeah. And we had a heifer in heat for the last few days, so there's been a lot of noise and water and more water. Right. Also, it's been a great uh, week, it sounds. Shall we introduce our guest for this week? I suppose we should. Today, we are talking to Dina Stout, who's joining us from Ohio. And Dina, we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. So we always ask, what are you growing? So for farmers, that can cover crops and livestock, but it also covers kids and careers and businesses and lots of other things. So Dina, what are you growing? 
Oh, we grow everything from beef to kids. <laughs> and we are growing grass-fed beef production. And we have six kids that we homeschool. And I'm also in the process of growing a motherhood support business that I'm helping moms through their journey of motherhood. That's great. So as a farming podcast, of course, people always want the details. What kind of cows and approximately how many are we talking about? So our base herd is 25 and we have 25 mama cows and they are Hereford Angus. We usually do the Hereford mamas with the Angus bull and we're switching over to purebred Herefords and we do, we do grass-fed beef preferably and we have 94 acre farm. One moment. Sure. The three-year-old town. Oh, hi. Okay, you're going to have to go back downstairs like mommy told you. Just like that. Oh, he no, someone's being today. mean. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Anyone who's listening knows all about that. So that's a good good intro. What ages are all of these yes. kids? I'm guessing there's a three-year-old. Yes, there's a three-year-old. So I have a one-year-old, three-year-old, six-year-old, uh, 12-year-old, and 15-year-old. Five boys, one girl. Wow, is that a lot <laughs> of little people in your house? I love yes, the pausing because that's what happens when I go, th I've got four and I do that when I go through the rages because it feels like someone has always just had a birthday. So it's make sure I get yes. this right. Yeah. Yes. They're all mostly in the spring. So it's like I, we're all in their birthday month. So I'm going, who's what age now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. how old are they today? Yes, exactly. So we are all on a 94 acre farm and we actually have farmed in two states. West Virginia is where the family farm, like the heritage of beef farming was. And then we transitioned and moved our family and farm operation into Ohio. And that's where we are now. So a lot of farms seem to be tied to, like you said, the family farm. How was that transition going from not just within the state even, but from one state to another and starting a new spot? How did that happen? It was a lot of, it, it was difficult. It was very difficult because you have all these memories. My, it was three or four generations on the one farm. And it was really hard because we had to leave like that heritage and unfortunately, due to family disagreements, it just had to be turned over to different people. And so we had to start our own heritage. And that was painful, but exciting all at the same time. So now to be able to have something that is ours and we're creating our own memories. We've had our land for four years. It was just open crop land with some woods. So we've really taken it and put it over into our style of how we want it, which is good and bad. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but it also has been really a, a great experience. And now the kids really can feel a part of it because they've been through the whole process of it and they get to make their own memories to tell their families about. So it's been nice. As someone who is living on our farm, our kids are the fifth generation on this farm. What do you, who do you blame stuff on when you come up against a stupid decision? Because here, at least, it can be like, who the hell 
did this, but if it's just you, who do you blame? Yeah. What, where do you go with Because <laughs> I feel like that's probably one of my most common, like, complaints to the universe is who the hell thought this was a good yeah. idea or who did this oh i think i feel like i'd really have a tough time with yeah that. we just blame it on the previous owners <laughs> what were they thinking why didn't they do the drain tile this way because like i said there was really there were no buildings so there was only just some underground elements like gas lines like unburied gas lines through the trails so we've hit those a time or two and have had natural gas just skewing everywhere. So that's been fun. So yeah, we have a few people we blame for that. But yeah, it makes things interesting. <laughs> for sure. So did you also grow up on a farm? Or how did you? I did not. How did you? I wanted to be on a farm. I was in a just a small, typical town. And I loved horses. And so my sister and I, we boarded our horses. We never had the farm because my dad was from New Jersey. So a half acre was a farm to him. He was happy with that. And my mom liked to look at animals, but wasn't very into nature things like. But my sister and I just loved horses. So we spent from the time we were like seven and eight just in the barn and taking riding lessons. I just always wanted to be in that environment. And then I met my husband who was like, yeah, I love farming. I My grandparents do beef cattle and it's so much fun. And so we just started doing farm things together. And then as we started out as a married couple, we actually started in town on a little like half acre postage stamp with the mind yeah. So we started on a little half acre with the plan to move up to the family farm. And then we couldn't because of, like I said, just some family disagreements. And so we decided to start our own. And that's where we are. So the you mentioned in your intro that your motherhood support coach, have I got that wording right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I know you have a podcast yourself because I've been listening to you in my ears lately. And one of the things you talked about was teaching parents how to cope and also how to move beyond coping into thriving. Can you talk with us about some of the first steps when you're trying to even just get to coping and then like, <laughs> beyond that into the thriving sure. part? Because that some days that feels impossible. Yes. So for me, I think the first thing is really about our thoughts. So as we're in a really hard day, and we can feel like everything is happening to us and that we don't really have any control over the situation. And sometimes what happens is we get so caught up in our expectations of how we wanted things to go and what things should have looked like and what our plan was. And we judge ourselves by that. So we're like, oh, I had this set out, but I didn't reach that. Okay, but why didn't you reach that? Maybe it's because you have a sick child that day. Maybe it's because, you know, something got spilled that you weren't expecting and now you're late for your appointment. And taking the time to realize that the things that happen, we can't always control, but we could control our thoughts about them. And that it's so important to not be judging ourselves so harshly 
And we really need to show ourselves mental compassion and to understand that was a great goal and you had every intention of doing it, but due to life surprises, limitations, it didn't happen. That was a perfect plan. But now what actually happened and how to really control your thoughts in your day-to-day as to how you deal with your motherhood and how you deal with different things that you're thrown into the mix of. And um, for myself, I started out with, I always felt that I needed to work harder, do more, and that there was a problem with me because I wasn't reaching these high expectations that I had set out for myself. And so I felt that people could see how hard I was trying and that they needed to help me because I felt like I was struggling. Everybody else felt like I was succeeding. And there was this disconnect. And I'm going, I'm so worn out. I'm so tired. I'm so frustrated. Why is nobody helping me more? And it really turned out that I needed to say, hey, I'm exhausted. I can't do this. And then say, will you help me in this way? And when we do that, it really gives our loved ones around us the opportunity to show how they care for us, how they appreciate us. But if we keep going along and saying, I'm fine, it's fine, I got this, then what ends up happening is we create this hard shell, we become resentful towards our loved ones around us, and we're mad because they're not helping, but they don't even know what we need. And another important part is that we, when we're feeling these, this way, it's really important to think about how am I feeling? What caused me to feel this way? And what would actually make me feel different? What would actually make me feel better? And it's important that we get really clear on that because if we don't, then we could just say, oh, I need help. Let's say I'm thinking I need help. I want to go out for coffee by myself. And instead, my husband does the dishes. There's going to be, I'm still going to be annoyed. And he's going to be like, boy, anything I do doesn't make her happy because I helped out and she's still miserable. And so it's really important to focus in on what it is that we need, how we can voice what we need, and then how others can help us. So that's really like the beginning is our thoughts and then how we re- relate our thoughts and our feelings to other people. I think that's like the first part. What's a good way to respond when you ask for help and you're actually explicit about what you need and your partner or the person you're asking maybe can't for a variety of reasons, like it's harvest season or they're at capacity and they really can't help out? How do you deal with then those feelings of I did the thing I Mm -hmm. asked for what I needed and now you're saying no then that because sometimes the asking is really hard to do but then right then the when you're expecting an enthusiastic yes and you don't get it how do you deal with that process in your own head yes so I like to say it's this is when you say they they love me they respect me they heard me so I can't get this right now So what are the things that I could do right now? And sometimes maybe that break is I would really like to go out of the house, but that's not a reality right now. 
So what is a reality? What is something that I could do that would give me that same mental break, but isn't leaving the house? So I really enjoy to, I like to recommend using AirPods. <laughs> put in your earbuds and put the kids in a safe space. And then whether it's a podcast or whether it's your favorite music, something that you know will change your mood. I think a lot of times it's easy to just grab our phones and scroll and think I'm fine or maybe put on Netflix and binge. But it really needs to be something more because if you notice when you do those behaviors, you still keep those negative feelings because now you're on you're scrolling and you're seeing people who are the highlight reel. So then it's just starting to make your mood feel even worse because you're like, all these people are having a great time and I'm over here miserable and I'm angry and all the emotions. And so instead, it's better to think, what is something that perks my mood and makes me feel better? And even when it gets to the point where you can't do something like that, whether it's putting the kids in front of a, the television to go take a hot shower or something, then... I like to think about, okay, am I drinking enough water? Could I go outside? Could I literally go outside and get some fresh air? Just that change of scenery, which we're farm wives. We know how much we can be outside. But then there's seasons and there's times where we're all inside. Maybe so, I could drink water outside and multitask. There you go. There you go. The important things of like proper nutrition, just like, how have I eaten today? Maybe that's part of my mood. Maybe I need to eat. <laughs> I was so busy feeding everybody else, I forgot to make sure I had lunch today. So really looking for those opportunities. Keep your mind in, like, problem solving instead of everything's happened to me. I'm the victim here. Poor me. Someone needs to come and change this for me. It's nice to think about it. I often think, how would I respond? How would I talk to a friend? Would I ever talk to someone I love the way I talk to myself? And it sounds like you're suggesting that we should also consider if I treated a potted plant the way I treat my body, how would it respond? Exactly. You know, no sunlight, no water, lots of sugar is not going to do it any favors. Exactly. You know, no matter how easy that seems. Well, one of the do it right so i'll just do it myself oh yeah. why doesn't anyone ever i'm like because i didn't give you any chances to help me so i'm wondering what your thoughts are on how to get out of that cycle because it's just more work to ask for help yes but also nobody helps you if you don't tell them what you very am something to think about is ask yourself hmm, what can i what am i okay with being done poorly Okay. If you have 
kids and you're telling them to load the dishwasher. So I can sit there and think, you're doing it wrong. I, it's not the right way. It's not exact. Or I can be like, hey, the dishes are getting done. It doesn't matter. And that is another important thing is to think about what can I handle being done poorly? Can I lower my expectations on this? Obviously, if you're if it's something where you're worried about your child's safety or something like that, you know, you're going to choose wisely. But some things it's just we're going to let it just be the action of letting them help. After they've gotten into the routine of helping, then their confidence is built up. Now you can make some suggestions. But it's a lot of giving and taking because exactly as women, it's, oh, come load the dishwasher. Okay, now wait, you need to do it this way, that way. I don't like this. I don't like that. Nobody likes to be micromanaged. And it's important to just look at the big picture, look at the big picture. And we have to pick like what we're willing to sacrifice and what we're willing to give to have a, ba- a, a bigger response and a bigger, oh, what's the word? Fulfillment. And I think, too, there's so much power in learning to give yourself some grace on those days that let, letting your four-year-old help wash dishes is just not going to happen. And you're not going to ruin your child's ability to be useful forever if there's one day that you're just like, go watch TV. Yep. Just go somewhere else Yep. and leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. So Because sometimes they have to learn to just back off, too. It's a valuable skill for humans to have, is to just go away. Yes. I'm a great mom, obviously. No, I am a good mom. And and this is the other thing is it's so hard to say I'm a good mom mm-hmm. because I am. My kids are happy. They're well adjusted. They're decent humans. They haven't set anything on fire yet. And they're six and almost five. So I forgot about that. Yeah. It's, You're teaching them to read the it's room. It's embarrassing Katie. how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes what the room is saying is go away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now is not the time to be in you the know. kitchen. You yeah. said it. We have a very small kitchen too. <laughs> and it's the only bathroom in our house is on the far side of the kitchen. Oh, perfect. And we have two big dogs and the kitchen is the first room you walk into and it's just, no, just get out. Oh, I get that so much. Tiny kitchen right now and with eight people and they all come in and the refrigerator water dispenser, I can stand like at the refrigerator and I can reach the sink and the stove all at one time. So with eight people and a dog and the water dispenser, everybody comes in and I'm like, I'm out of here. But Katie, you said it. You said, I'm a good mom. And that's what we need to tell ourselves because I think that's the number one thing. When you start feeling like mom guilt, it that right there proves that you're a good mom because you're worried that you're not doing it right. So you know that you are a good mom because you care and you want to do it right. And that's something that I first started reframing because when there were times where I felt like I was messing up as a mom, what, let's say the kid, back when my kids went to school, let's say they forgot something or I forgot it was teacher appreciation week or something like that. And I would tell myself, oh, I'm such a terrible mom. I'm such a terrible mom. I'm messing everything up. And then I started a new mantra and I started saying, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing, I am a good mom. And just that reframe, like 
the response in my body of, I'm doing the best I can, just calmed the nerves and, okay, no pressure. We got this. We're going to just do the best we can. That's all that's expected. And it really plays a big difference in our bodies. I think, too, for myself, taking that one step further and really saying, I am doing the best I can right now, right here. Because it's so easy. I find myself going, well, but I was better at this yesterday. Mm -hmm. But that was yesterday. This is today. Is this relatively close to the best that I can reasonably give right now? Yes. And to reframing for myself that if I worry so much that people are judging me and that if people are judging, they can either be helpful or they can go away. That's not on me if they're judging me. That's on that. And that's that if you're worried that somebody's judging if your house isn't clean enough, they can get the broom or they can go home. Yes. That's, that's not my problem. Yes. That's, they can just go away with that. Yep. It's, I think we need to reframe so much of this is that it's, my children are my problem. My dogs are my problem. My work is my problem. Other people's judgment, not my problem. Exactly. That's all on them. Yes. I hopped down off my soapbox <laughs> on that one. I 100% <laughs> agree with your soapbox. <laughs> Just go. Yes. It's, yes. it's probably easier for introverts to say, like. I don't care if you <laughs> cool, you're going to leave me alone. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it a rough transition into this next question. Okay. Is that being a parent can be really lonely. And especially, I think, for farm parents, like Arlene was saying about that there are times that your partner cannot give you what you're asking for because there are other commitments. How do we work on reaching out and what are some of the common struggles that you see with the people that you're working with? How do we fix all? <laughs> oh, I wish I had, I wish I had the special power of, hey, this is how we fix all of it. I think that the first thing is to not think you're the only one who's ever felt the way you're feeling. Because I can guarantee you there's a lot of moms that feel that way. And dealing with the feeling of loneliness and isolation, I dealt with a lot of times because my husband was farming out of state. So he was gone or I went with him a lot, but there were a lot of times that I wasn't. And I think it's really good to evaluate that this is an opportunity this is an opportunity that you can grow. And when we think about somebody who is doing weightlifting and they're trying to build muscles, they, their muscles break down. And then the next day they repair and they get bigger. And I like to tell women to think of their motherhood as a And you're going to have a day where you just feel like you're broken and everything just came apart. But from that experience, the next day and the days that are after, you're actually growing in your experience, in your resources that you have to go with the next thing. And when you're dealing with the loneliness, definitely try to search out someone that you feel like you can connect with. And social media is a great way. Listening to podcasts is another great way because you don't feel as lonely 
you hear people's stories. So you get those moments of, hey, me too. And it can lead to really good relationships and it can make a difference. But if you're feeling, if you're following accounts where you feel like you're just not measuring up or that you can't relate and you feel like you you have negative emotions about yourself afterwards, definitely mute them, get away from them, stop following for a while and look for the ones that are really sharing and talking to those emotions that you're feeling as well. And don't be afraid to reach out. Try to join mommy groups in the local area, go to the library, and you'll see moms that are feeling the same things that you are. <laughs> so if they're a mom, they've, we've all felt those emotions, but definitely reach out and ask for support. There is no shame in asking for help in whatever way you need it, for sure. Yeah, that's important to remember. I find, too, I think that we as younger moms, <laughs> younger, like whether you're a first-time parent or look around, but don't look for someone who's maybe in the exact same stage as you, right? Like I would, it would be amazing for me to be able to support someone who is just starting out. Or yeah. I remember looking at my mother-in-law as a support person for me, and she wasn't the only person who was, was older than me. In rural communities, you have to look at who's there too, right? Yeah. The, the people around you may not be the exact same age or stage, but they can still support you. And you shouldn't feel like a burden because sometimes someone would love to hold your baby while you have a shower or whatever. Like it, it's sometimes yes. easier for some of the times easier for someone to help you if they're not in the same stage. If their hands are full with babies and toddlers, maybe someone who's got a, a six or seven year old and has a smidge of, of more free time or empty hands might be the ideal person to reach out to in, in that day yes. where you really need somebody. Exactly. I totally agree, Arlene. I was thinking that it's good to look for someone who's three to five years ahead of you because sometimes I've heard that some women have a struggle with either their in-laws or their parents' age because life is so different. Life is so different now from what it was when they were raising kids. I think about it with my mom. I'm like, she never had to deal with all of the electronic bombardment that I deal with today with my children. And so there's can be some sort of a, a disconnect. Like I love the values and there's a lot of great resources and, and, and knowledge that they can impart. But then there's also circumstances that they haven't dealt with yet. So when you find someone that's like three to five years ahead of you it, or even 10 years, it can really help because it's still fresh in their mind. Sometimes I would ask my mother-in-law about things and my husband's the youngest of four siblings, and they were like 12 years apart. So I would ask her some things, and she would be like, I don't remember. So I was like, okay, try to look for somebody else then to ask about. So, yeah, right. just ask. Yeah, or, they're, or they're looking back with rose-colored glasses, and they're like, oh, everything yes. was perfect. <laughs> You're like, that can't be true. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that is so true. For sure. Yeah. I've heard that. And anyone who still has anyone who still has kids in their house, like if they've got teenagers and you've got little ones, then they're not going to judge your parenting because they don't know what they're doing either. They're in a oh, yeah. stage and they're struggling with different things than you are. Oh, yes, absolutely. Katie, did you have anything else you wanted to say before we moved on to my uh, homeschooling question? I was going to say that 
quite possibly the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for me as a parent was my husband and I took the girl child to a tractor show when she was eight months old, probably. And I wanted to say it was right before I got pregnant with our second kid. Our kids are 16 months apart, but we were at a restaurant. We had been in the car for five hours, and then we went to a tractor show, and we stayed in a hotel, oh. and we went to a restaurant, and she's throwing stuff and acting like a baby, and we're trying to eat, and we're both exhausted. And finally, a, fam a group of older folks that had been at the same tractor show, because small town Minnesota, everybody's wearing a bright orange shirt. It's obvious who they are. This woman comes over, and she's probably in her 70s, and she wow. goes, that baby needs a grandma. And she held out her arms, and I just, I was so shocked and exhausted that I just handed her my kid. I'm like, we're in a family restaurant. She's not going <laughs> to kidnap her. Like, this woman's fairly old. I could take her. I could chase her. She's not going to run with my baby. Okay. And she did. She just took her over to their table, and they all, this was obviously pre-pandemic, and they just passed her around, and we ate our supper in peace. And it was... Like, there's a lot to be said for having those friends where you can just raid their diaper bag for wipes or mm -hmm. snacks or whatever. But there is also a lot to be said for those folks who have the capacity to just help. Yeah. And as my kids are getting older, being able to pass that on even a little bit to newer parents to be like, your baby's not wearing socks and I'm not going to comment on it. Or I'm just going to say that your kid's real cute and I'm not going to go, that baby's going to freeze. Yes. Please. You know, no child has died yet. Yeah. But just to be open about that community because there's so much that if no one tells you that everybody is struggling because everybody assumes you're the only one, then you don't know that everybody else is having the same problem. Mm -hmm. I think we can just be out there with it the more useful it is to folks. Yeah. I think there's my reason for just putting my personal stuff all over the <laughs> I won't tell. <laughs> I think, too, that there's a fine line between unwanted advice and then sharing a good experience. I think it can be so tricky as far as I've seen both sides. Sometimes women don't want to say anything when someone is looking for answers and advice because they're like, I don't want to come across as pushy. I don't want to let them, I don't want to make them feel like I'm pushing my opinions on them. So I'm just not going to say anything. And I'm going, but wait, they want to know. I want to know your secret. This worked for you. Why did it work for you? Tell me about it. And so it's that whole fine line of sharing and helping to offer support in a positive way without yeah, the judgment. I think no judgy. Yeah. I think that loops back to what you were saying before, though, being willing to ask for help, because if you have those people in your life, the ones who you most want the advice from are the non-judgy ones who are going to hold back until you ask. Yeah. <laughs> so if you say, so true, I am actually asking a question here. What would you do or what did you do? Ask the question. And as the person who might have some advice, it's also important to ask the question first. If they don't explicitly ask, do you want to know what I did? Are you looking for advice? Like those are valid questions. And the and then you have to listen to the answer. <laughs> but to be but to start with, I have something that might work. Do you want to hear it right now? Are you in a place to hear what I have to say? Because if they say no, then that's fair too. They might have tried a million things and they just don't want to hear one more piece of advice and they don't want what you have to say. And that's fair too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love the way you phrase that. Are you in a place, would you like to hear the advice? Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. so true. It's just a common courtesy. Yeah. I feel like for myself, too, if I can couch it in, I really struggled with X, Y, and Z, or I just found out about this thing, at least with folks that you don't know well enough to just go ahead and ask them your stupid question, knowing that they're going to laugh at you, but that they're laughing because they've totally dealt with the same thing, but that if you can say, oh, my kids love to be, they loved it when I wore them, or we found this kind of jammies that were totally better than the ones with the snaps or like what it, whatever it is if you can bring it back to your own experience of struggling with things rather than just did you not know about and have you heard of zippers like, maybe you didn't know this yeah maybe you've been living under a rock but <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe you are actually as stupid as an empty soup can but yeah, just stay away from it yes Anyone who starts a sentence with, maybe you didn't know, just, yeah. I feel like I can categorically say, stay away from yes. it. Nothing yes. good is going to happen. Exactly. Like, and follow your, your guide. <laughs> yeah. Until yeah. your kids get old enough, Katie, that they start to, <laughs> actually you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, mom. Yes. <laughs> also. Yeah. The, then the you girl have to, child then you have to live with the them. other day. You got to actually. Was, yeah. Yeah. She's six now. She knows a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's right. So oh, yes, speaking about knowing a lot of, yeah, speaking about knowing a lot of stuff, you said you're a homeschooler. And I know that lots of people are curious about homeschooling. <laughs> homeschooling curious, is that a thing? Yeah. But not really sure how to do it or what it would look like. So I was wondering what brought you to homeschooling? Because you did mention your kids were in school before. And yeah. how does that look day to day with the number of people in your house and the, all the things that you've mm-hmm. got going on? So first off, my confession is I never went to school. I never went to a public school. I was pulled out with a group of about 25, maybe 30 kids as soon as it was made legal in our state of Ohio. My mom and her group of friends pulled us out. So I was raised homeschooling. So for myself, it just always seemed natural. That's what I was going to do when I had kids. and. Growing up, it availed itself to so many opportunities for me that I was able to have so many different experiences. I was able to be way more involved with our taking care of our horses, and it opened up to different work aspects because I had a lot of life experience that I could bring to my jobs, and I was able to graduate early. So for me, homeschooling was like, the best thing. Growing up, honestly, I was like perplexed by the whole school system because I never had a reason to go in there. So it always was different for me. So now fast forward, I'm a mom and I have a child that I was like, we're going to homeschool and this is all going to be great. And I was doing the younger grades with him and noticing that there were just things that were not clicking. and. I started having some red flags. So around fourth grade, by this point, I had four children and I was trying to homeschool some of the other ones. And I had a little one. So it was very chaotic, very messy. We tried doing online public schooling and that just kept 
getting messier because he found a way to, oh, I'm in class, but really I'm surfing the internet. And I couldn't sit there and babysit him. And that wasn't the point of it. So we decided that it was time to take him and put him into public school at fifth grade. So in person, public school, I'll clarify that. And so I was called into a board meeting and there were about 10 people at the boardroom. And they said, we're here to talk about your son's education. And they went down the line as to this is a reading interventionist. This is a reading specialist. This is your OT. This is this. And I thought, no wonder I'm so tired. I couldn't do the work of 10 people. So they worked with him and helped him. Then so him and my younger grades were all in public school. All while they're in public school, a lot was happening. We had more kids. <laughs> we had baby number five and COVID hit and everybody came home and we moved. Like I said, we were on this little half acre. So we moved and now I'm in this home that we're renting currently and we have 40 acres and we were in lockdown, right? So the kids finished out the school year. And then I'm looking going, this is ridiculous. I just need to homeschool. This is what I want. This is where we're at. This is what's going to be best for our family. So it was nerve wracking to say the least because I was used to sending three kids off on the bus. My oldest, we homeschooled. The oldest grade, he takes care of things and he's a help. And when you have a teenager and a little one, it makes it really easy because then the teenager can help. It's okay if you leave him with the baby to go run errands at the store. So life looked totally different. And I was, this is easier now. But then there was still the stress of keeping up with the school's agenda, which was really hard. And the kids were missing out on things with the farming. The kids were missing out on the whole process of setting up our farm at our new place. And because we're in the process right now of building our house. And I just felt this just isn't working for us. It just felt really uncomfortable. And I want to say when you have something just burning in your heart that you are like, I have to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's going to be messy. <laughs> just do it because the calm and the satisfaction of following that intuition and that pull on your heart is just so important. And so now my kids are home and they're helping with, we have goats here at our rental home and then we have the cows at our new place. And so the kids have been able to help with the building of our home. My teenager has been learning drywall and tile work and they're getting so much life experience that I'm so grateful for that decision that was a right fit for our family at that time. So I definitely feel that school system has its place and homeschooling has its place and you just have to figure out which one is the right fit for you and your family. And I really like the homeschooling flexibility. I get to decide what they're learning. Ohio has pretty, pretty great laws about homeschooling. And so I decided to take advantage of that. 
And so it gets messy sometimes. There's days where it's, okay, so your schooling today was helping out with the house, taking care of the animals and bottle feeding that calf and things like that. So it's more of an education that works for the family. It's good to remember, too, that just because you're doing it now doesn't mean you have to do it next year or, you know, mm-hmm. that you when public school was what you needed, you sent your kids there. And then when it wasn't working anymore, then you went another way that there that you were flexible, too. Right. And you didn't feel like mm-hmm. a failure because, oh, now they're in school and that wasn't my intentions. I failed. Yeah. It worked for a time. And then when it wasn't that you made a different choice. So I think that's a really mm-hmm. great example for them, too, to realize They've had multiple opportunities, too, to see different ways to learn. Definitely. I think, too, for children that they have different learning styles and following which style is suitable for which child. My one son, he does better, actually, with a little bit more of the competition of the other classmates. And then my other son, that's like the detriment. So really knowing which environment is better and sampling if you want to. And it just, it really is trial and error. But if something's not working, definitely check out what other options you have. So it's important. So for those of us who aren't homeschooling full-time, there are certainly things that I find very appealing about homeschooling, but just for our family between work and what has most helped our daughter develop. She didn't talk at all until she started public school because she just didn't need to. Mostly we did speech therapy and did speech therapy and she's just like, meh, she got what she wanted. And it was, but the minute she got in with peers and they wouldn't play with her unless Mm -hmm. she talked to them, she just bang. And so I think public school has been a very good situation for her, but how can we wrap more of the positives of homeschooling into our public school attending life without it feeling like we're just schooling our kids 24-7. You know, kids obviously are learning all the time, but yeah. it feels really harsh to have them come home and be like, here is some more math beyond the experiential stuff, it seems. I think... Uh, a little rude. True. Very true. I think when they're out of school, then that's when we get to just saturate them in the real world. And when I say the real world, helping them with things that are going to matter in their day-to-day lives when they've graduated. Obviously not for a six-year-old, that's a little different, but just asking questions, showing them if we set the example that learning is fun, if they see us learning new things, trying new things, then they're also going to be more apt to doing that. And I think we've tried to like package learning so much. And really learning is just part of all of our development. We all just start out learning. And when the kid's curiosity is perked about something, then that's when the learning happens. And I think we have such a great example and such great resources being on the farm because we can be outside so much more where the kids are in a more relaxed environment and then just teaching them and asking questions and the things that we can share with them to broaden their knowledge. You never know what's going to perk their curiosity, and then they're going to go and take that and want to do and learn more about it. And just giving them those resources available 
You want to learn about that? Great. Let's go look it up together. Let's go find out more information about that together. And then they see how fun it can be. So, too, obviously, one of the things we talk a lot about is the transition from no kids to kids. So, obviously, with six kids, you've done this a few (laughs) times. What was it like for you with that first kid, though? And also, I'm going to add to this. Okay. With I know some folks who say that the transition from one to two was the hardest. I know some folks who say that the transition from zero to one was the hardest. I know folks who say that once you get past three, it really doesn't matter how many you have. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Okay. Because it it seems to be a real division among people about what was the biggest change for them. Okay. So to answer about becoming a mom... I had a lot of good examples of good moms growing up that I watched. So being maternal was always very much instinctual with me. I was also a nanny before I became a mom. Actually, before I became a wife, I was a nanny. And I actually went through like the whole finding yourself and balancing taking care of yourself and a child when I was a nanny. And then I also went through it again when I had my first my firstborn. So it was interesting because I was nannying about 40, 45 hours a week. (laughs) I looked like the mom. Because even though I was only 19, I was hair was always in a ponytail barely any makeup, wasn't really taking care of myself. I just was like schlepping up to work and doing the mom thing and taking care of two little ones and going home and being exhausted. So there was definitely this like juggle. And that's why I quit being a nanny was because I was burnt out. But then I became a mom and I couldn't quit. So it was time to figure this out. And what helped me was I, it was about the transition of three to four kids that really just started pooling at me. Again, my husband was farming out of state, so he was gone and, or we would go out of town constantly. There was a lot of things going on. And I just was like this I'm fried. And I just kept telling myself I had to try harder. I had to do more. I wasn't, I had to figure this out. And what changed for me was when I started looking at women who seemed to have what I wanted. And instead of, I I used to look at them and go, oh, sure, they have more money. They can hire help. They have a live-in nanny and a housekeeper and someone who cooks for them, whatever. And then I found someone that I was like, she was offering to coach women and to help moms with burnout. And I thought, you know what? She has what I'm trying to get, and I want to find out what her secret is. And when I did, that's when everything switched for me. And I was able to realize, oh, I'm not a victim in my life, and I can figure this out. And we're just going to rearrange some things in our life and in our thought process. And this is going to change. And from that point on, I really started a different journey from 
being the tired, overwhelmed, stressed out mom who was miserable all the time. And that's the thing. We all go through tired, stressed, and overwhelmed. The difference is, do we stay there? How long are we there? Is it a day? Is it a week? Or is it a lifestyle? And that's where you have to look and say, okay, it's time for change. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to be tired and angry and resentful all the time. It's time to do something about it. And that's what I did. And that's what helped me transition out of the new mom phase, even though I was a mom to four. Yeah, I mean, it's that that aspect of getting overwhelmed and feeling out of control or feeling like you've gotten out of your depth can hit you at different points. But it's really, it's good to know that you got some support and that that made it a real difference for you. So part of our reason for doing this podcast is to talk to other farming parents. And we're always curious about what you really like about being able to raise your kids on the farm. What lights you up when you see your kids being raised on the land that you're growing and raising animals on? I think I love the fact that they get to see the results of their hard work, that they get to see if I apply myself and if I work hard, this is going to happen, that there's a lot of, oh, what's the word, just this real fulfillment in it. And to watch them with the animals and their faces light up. There was a lamb born this morning. We had, there's a new kid. And to watch them nurture and to handle the animals and take care of them. I think those are skills that our society is losing is the nurturing and the hard work and the hard physical work. There's nothing wrong with the kids working hard. And I think I love so much the family, the farm family camaraderie of we're in this together. We're working on this together. We're a family unit. This is how we do things. This is our goal as a family. And let's all stick together. I really like that. So sorry, then. What have the challenges been for you besides what I can only imagine is a tremendous amount of laundry? <laughs> if I have this much laundry with four people, I feel like eight people is probably more than twice as much. Yeah. Oh, kids be oh yes additive oh yeah and the clothes get bigger too kate yes oh, yes yes because i i have teenage boys and yeah <laughs> and huge those shoes. jeans are They're these huge, yeah huge footwear boots. <laughs> yes yeah the boots, the boots are huge we're all yes. just gonna have to go barefoot yes. when my kids get into the girthy size because <laughs> there's already so many boots that it's just this yeah it's a whole thing yeah okay so the biggest challenge oh my goodness yeah i think it's just the day-to-day -day. we can get caught up in just the hard work and the to-do list of what has to be done so the challenge of balancing that there's work and there's play and they're both important because if we don't have the play then that's when the burnout and the frustration builds up. And so I think that is one of the hardest things to keep level. But we're working on it. We're working on it. We're all a work in progress, right? Yes. Yes. 
So you have a pretty wide range of ages of kids. What are some of the practical ways that you get them involved, whether it's during their school day or outside of kind of the formal school hours? What kinds of tasks? Because I'm always looking for ways for people to help out age-appropriate ones. Yes, yes. So the oldest, typically, he goes and helps dad. He, My husband does farming and he does a construction business as well. So he has been busy learning the construction trades. and But as far as helping out around the house, it's the typical helping with dishes and laundry and childcare. That has been, that's been a really big gift when it comes to the large family aspect. It is so special to watch your teenager, who always was rough and tough, be kind and gentle and loving with a baby. And to have the child's eyes just light up when the teenager walks in the room, it's so precious to watch. So the teenager helps out a lot, but I try very hard to ask and not expect because I never want him to feel like, I didn't have these kids. I don't want kids. I'm always being dumped on. And so then the other ones, they help with laundry and farming. Farming has a long list of chores. And so they help a lot with that. They have helped a lot with our, with the building of our new house. They did hardwood flooring. The little ones helped carry the pieces and they were so happy to be helpful. And they helped a little bit with some of the painting where it was suitable, (laughs) where they could be messy and it not be an issue. And yeah, just helping them like, hey, this is the big picture. This is our project that we're working on. And this is how it's going to benefit you in the long run. And I think that really helps them too. Because like I said, building our house has been almost two years. So they've been through this process and we're all tired, but we're all getting it done. And it's a whole heap of memories and lessons learned. And that's what matters. I think it's so cool to talk about asking your kids to participate because I know so many families where the parents take on goats and chickens and whatever whatever and then it's just added to the kids chores list and like on the one hand it is really important for them to learn to be part of the team but on the other hand it's really unfair to just take on all these things without them getting any say in it and then it getting handed over to them, especially when it's not what supports the family, when it's not a, when it's a hobby for the parents, but it's a requirement for the kids. Yes. That's, yes. It's unfair. It's not cool. And oh, mm-hmm. anyway. It's funny um, you brought that up. My oldest is funny because he doesn't, he's not into animals. He's not into animals. He likes all the equipment. And his thing is because he doesn't want something that he feels will live or die based on his actions <laughs> he just he likes other things that you could just put it on the shelf and it can leave it there for five years and it'd be fine so it is interesting because children yeah there's a difference for sure but how great for your kids too to get that opportunity to learn these things about themselves when it's not oh, shit, I bought 40 cows and I actually hate having cows and now I have all these cows and what the hell was I thinking? Yes. Much better to learn at 15 when they're not your cows and you can just be like, 
Yep. Yes. All right. That is a very good question because there's quite a few things at the county fair that I feel like I would love to try entering. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good question. I tried thinking about this even beforehand. I'm going to say I would be the motivator. Best in class motivator. Being a cheerleader is an important role. Yes. I guess, and I guess as a motivator, you're not. I was just going to say, but you did say motivator. So being a cheerleader is just being positive, but motivator could also mean that you're the one being like, come on, <laughs> don't quit now. Exactly. It's, it's not just the positivity. It's also the yeah, motivator is, Tough is love. slightly different. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. All right, so we will go ahead and move into our cussing and discussing segment. We've registered for an online platform where listeners can leave their cussing and discussing entries. So go to the show notes and click on the speak pipe where you can leave us a voice memo, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we will read them out for you. This is a little deep, but my pet peeve, especially because the day we're recording this is International Women's Day, that women are viewed as powerful and amazing creatures until they get a pregnancy test that's positive. And then everybody has to second guess the heck out of them. And that drives me nuts. That really yeah, just gets yeah, me so yeah. fired up because Katie and I are doing we are a lot capable of, of doing, here. yeah, we're capable of doing amazing, wonderful things. But as soon as we say, oh, I'm pregnant, it's, oh, this could go wrong and that could go wrong. And all of these ways, you could be a failure. So I think that's my pet peeve. Yeah, that's right. And don't do that task that your doctor has said is completely fine. Because if you put your hands over your head or lift anything heavier than a single potato, then all of a sudden you're putting yourself and your child at risk. Yeah. Let's just trust yes. that, our, that our bodies can handle a few things. <laughs> I, I think the farming families would have just, like, not existed anymore if that was all true. Yeah. All right. So we'll wrap it up quick because I know anyone listening already knows that this is something to cuss. It's the mystery smell. Like you said, knowing, yeah. like, finding it when you get out. But, like, knowing that something smells but not being able to find the source. That's the one that I hate. Where it's, or you walk into a room and you're like, something smells weird. But you have no idea what the smell is or where. The, where it's originated from, that drives me crazy. And I don't have a great sense of smell, so I'm also always worried that my house smells anyway. And sometimes it is a rotten potato. I've done when I can smell something. <laughs> oh, dear. How long does this Oh, happen? that's funny. Is it definitely had the rotten potato as the source of the mystery smell? <laughs> or yes. get something under your finger. Get something under your finger now. <laughs> and that's just like walking around with you. Yeah. Mystery smells. Yeah. That's yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So we're going to sign off for today. Dina, if people want to find you online, if they want to talk to you, where should they find you? They can find me on Instagram at Dina, that's D-E-N-A dot stout, S-T-O-U-T. That's where I hang out the most. And then I also was including in your show notes, if they would a freebie from me, I have three tips to thrive as a mom. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for that resource. And we'll definitely share everything in our show notes too. We'll let you get back. 
All right. You're going to say hi, too? <laughs> of course. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for joining us on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyardlanguage to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We are always in search of guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.